Welcome to episode 19 of the Alan Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my very good friend Helen and we are two Christians who are seeking to understand the world around us through a biblical worldview. We want to encourage you, our listeners, to apply critical thinking to news and current events as we seek to live for Christ. Good evening, Helen. How are you doing? Good evening. I'm well, thank you. Excellent, excellent. It's, um, yeah, we've got an evening uh, slot tonight haven't we rather than early morning but hopefully we can um, we can function well through this because we've got quite a lot to cover haven't we we have try not to yawn too much yeah <laughs> yeah there's quite a lot this week there is quite a lot this week um and yeah it has been quite a week really um or quite a few weeks i think um there's a there's a lot to go going on at the moment obviously the um situation with our um Prime Minister. Um, some might say we're not sure who the Prime Minister really is at this point in time, but uh, there's a lot of turmoil in, in the country politically. Obviously, we've got the Ukraine uh, situation, which is very sad, and that, that continues to go on. And it does feel like because there is so much going on, it's it's easy to miss things. Do you know what I mean, Helen? Does that resonate? Do you... it, it does, yeah. There, there's a lot going on, and um, sometimes... I think you have to look a bit further behind the headlines, don't you, to find out things that are going on because they can get uh, masked by the favourite headlines. Yeah, 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 they totally can. And I think as well, it's it's good to uh, recognise that it, it might be... Um, it, it's perfectly possible, I think, to feel overwhelmed by things as well. Uh, when you look at the news and it, it can feel a bit depressing and just just by sheer weight of things because any one of these things normally be it ukraine be it the political situation the economic situation the um covid situation any one of those things in our own right would be enough but to have all those things at the same time is is both unusual and and can feel overwhelming and i think it's just worth recognizing that um but uh, we are we are Christians. We're followers of Jesus. So so this um, always has to be infused with the hope that Jesus brings. And so even when things might feel overwhelming, we can remind ourselves that Jesus is on the throne. He is coming back. And although things might sometimes look bleak, there is there is hope. And uh, that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Always worth remembering that. Really important. So um, we wanted to um, come back to uh, one of our, our subjects that we've, we've covered previously in, in different ways about the vaccine. And that's not because we particularly wanted to come back to it, but because um, of a certain uh, event that was in the news. Well, I say the news. Um, you wouldn't have seen this on the BBC or Guardian, Daily Mail or mainstream news outlet of choice, I don't think. But it certainly was... Um, something and i'll touch on what it was in a minute um has been um been brought to our attention hasn't it and and it's it's uh it was it was quite an eye-opener wasn't it helen um yeah yeah it was it was an eye-opener um i think we'll put a, a link to it in the notes so people can go and have a look for themselves yeah. Yeah, do, do go and have a look for yourself. I know it might sound a bit cryptic at the moment, but uh, yeah. we will get to that in a minute. <laughs> but just by way of reminder, um I think those who have been perhaps more prone to questioning things over the last two and a half years um, have had to put up with with quite a lot, actually, really. Um, I don't know if you recall these things, but we, we've had headlines. Uh, this one's from The Independent, which said, Hardcore vaccine refuseniks could be de-radicalised like terrorists. 
And it goes on to say a de-radicalization program like those given to former terrorists or cult members might be the only way to dissuade some hardcore anti-vaxxers from their beliefs, according to one psychology expert. So that was that was in the Independence, but uh, it was available in other newspapers of choice. Um, another one that you might remember was from um, Andrew Neil, and this time it's in the in the Mail. And he said, it's time to punish Britain's 5 million vaccine refuseniks. Well, we could talk a lot about that, but we won't. Then we have Karen Brady. Now, I think if you're, well, if you're like me, recognise Karen Brady from The Apprentice, but um, uh, she is a very prominent figure. And she said, we can't force people to have jabs, but we can force vaccine refuseniks to live a far more difficult, inconvenient and restricted life. One that will also be more expensive because of mandatory testing. Now, these quotes are from um, a year and a half, roughly, ago, but none of them have aged well, have they, Helen? Uh, no, no, they haven't. <laughs> and, and and I think it's uh, it's it's well, I suppose it's a good thing that they're still up there in terms of you can still access them, but they are somewhat probably embarrassing for the people who have both contributed to and or said those things. Yeah, and it'd be interesting to ask them, wouldn't it? What what they have to say today? Yeah, it would. It would be maybe deep, they would deep. say the same. Maybe they. Well, <laughs> think the same. yes, that, that's certainly a possibility, I think. But I think the reason they have not aged so well is because they're based on lies. Now, what we're going to talk about is, like I said earlier, is to do with the vaccine. And I think what's become clear is that vaccines don't work as originally advertised. But before we go into that, let's just step back in, back in time back to uh, 2020 when Matt Hancock, I'm sure many of you remember Matt Hancock, uh, this is what he said. We have known that a vaccine would be critical to set us free. Uh, He goes on to say, but before he does, the original order was for 357 million doses. And given that there are approximately 52 million adults in the UK, then that equates to roughly uh, six doses each. Um, Anyway, Then we had that headline of 15 million jabs to freedom. Do you remember that one? In light of that, Matt Hancock went on to say, we have said from the start that a vaccine must be safe and effective before we would even consider deploying. Any vaccine must go through a rigorous process of clinical trials involving thousands of people and extensive independent scrutiny from the MHRA, one of the world's most respected medical regulators. The whole purpose of the vaccine is to protect people from COVID so we can get our lives back to normal. And Matt Hancock concludes, so let's keep our resolve, keep doing our bit to keep people safe until science can set us free. So there we go, Helen. We've heard it from Mr. Hancock himself. Science has Mm. indeed set us free, hasn't it? Science brings us freedom. Science is the answer, the saviour. Yeah, yeah. And I I wonder, as as Christians, um, many Christians, I think, perhaps have their faith in science in this area. Um, And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure that's well that definitely isn't a good thing and perhaps that's easy to to slip into given what's happened these last two years and the kind of onslaught that we've had mm. well we've had lots of talk of trusting the science and 
follow the science, um, these kinds of um, statements. And as someone who trained in science myself, I've always been quite nervous of of this talk and the way it's been used as if science is, um, you know, an absolute fact. And once we know, once we have the science, then we just follow that and that will be our answer and that's that. Um, and that's, you know, that's just not the case. Science is a constantly moving target, constantly developing thing. There's no such thing as the science. No. It's just nonsense. And and as for being a source of, of salvation and, and freedom, that's, well, frankly, absurd. Um so, let, but we'll, we will we will press on with this uh, little trip down memory lane because um, um, our dear former leader Boris Johnson he said, and today we can announce that the government has accepted the recommendation from the Independent Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, call that's a mouthful, to approve the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine for distribution across the United Kingdom after months of clinical trials involving thousands of people to ensure that the vaccine meets the strictest internationally recognised standards of safety, quality and effectiveness. Around about the same time, the NHS England Chief Executive Sir Simon Stevens admitted this about the vaccine. They have achieved in months what normally takes years. It's interesting. And then uh, Professor David Salisbury, who was um, the person in charge of immunisation at the Department of Health, um, supported... Uh, an idea of a single dose. So, for example, he said you give one dose of the COVID jab and you get 91% protection. You give two doses and you get 95% protection. So, there's, there was we had a constant uh, barrage of what essentially amounts to a little more than propaganda, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And very simplistic language. Um, and I remember that as, as someone with a bit of a scientific brain I always ask questions and I I want to you know it's no good someone just chucking a figure at me I want to know where that's come from and what that means um and it was it was interesting that although so much was being talked about the science it was like you weren't allowed to ask questions no you weren't allowed to say well hold on a minute what does that mean or what do you mean by that and where have you got that from and what's the evidence behind that anyone asking those sorts of questions was you know censored um told yeah. to to you know that you couldn't you couldn't ask those questions which yeah. which was crazy it was and yeah. and and we can see now that those questions were really important of course they were ab- ab- yeah that's absolutely correct it's like this kind of ideological absolutism where you have to literally be totally for it or you're against it you know, if you if you question it, you're a you're a refusenik, you're a uh, anti science um, knuckle dragger, basically. Um, mm. And then um, we had, of course, the um, propaganda in terms of the messaging on posters and television. So, for example, NHS Scotland advert has a picture of a a, a relatively young looking chap on it uh, with the with the big bold type saying, "The vaccine protects you." and those around you we had you know slow the spread and and get vaccinated even the astrazeneca jab was hailed as being 100 percent effective at one point <laughs> um 
Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's pretty monstrous when you look back at what was said and the messaging given. And it's no wonder that, that, that people rushed out, rolled up their sleeves and had the jab. Yeah, it was like it was going to be some kind of miracle jab. And I remember people at the time saying, well, hold on a minute, this is a respiratory virus mm -hmm. and uh, the flu vaccine yeah. every, every year is um, a vaccine which attempts to um, prevent people from, from getting a respiratory virus. And it's notoriously difficult. And the kinds of percentage rates they look at, look at with those are really quite low. So suddenly there's this miracle vaccine for a respiratory virus claiming these figures near 100% effectiveness, which, well, I'm not surprised that, that many people were questioning, well, that's that sounds quite astonishing. Um, one of the things I remember, I remember, I'm sure it was Matt Hancock who was saying about this 95%. Well, most people, if they're told 95%, they would assume that means, well, that means out of 100 people, 95, 95 of them won't get COVID. They'll be mm -hmm. completely protected yep. and, and they'll be fine. But actually those figures, they weren't true because, because they were based on something called relative risk. Um, as opposed to absolute risk reduction. And and in medicine, apparently that, that is not what should be used. It has to be the absolute risk reduction. Um, it's not something that's that easy to explain. I don't know, I don't know whether I should try and do it on a podcast or not. Um, <laughs> well, you'll, you'll be like the person to do it numbers. rather than me. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'll give it a little try. So, for example, if you have a group that is given a treatment and you're told in this, this group with the treatment that two out of 100 people with the disease will die, that's 2% would die. And in the group that has no treatment, that three out of 100 who get the disease would die, that's um, a 3%. So from 2%, those who've been treated to compared to the 3%, that, that would be a 50% relative risk reduction. But in fact, what you're looking at is a difference between the risk of 3% and the risk of 2%, which is actually a difference of 1%. So your absolute risk reduction is 1%. <laughs> so that's a huge difference between talking about 50%, which sounds, oh, that's quite impressive, when the absolute risk reduction, which is what should be used in medicine, is 1%. Yeah. And apparently when we're talking about COVID, when they were talking about the 95% relative risk, the absolute risk reduction was 0.84%. Now, if at the time they had said to people that as the figure, how many people would have taken the vaccine? 0.84%. Yeah. It, it's, it's astonishing. And I think, and thanks for that. That's a pretty clear explanation as well. It, 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 is, it is astonishing, really. Um, and it, it just goes to show how data and statistics can be manipulated to show what you want it to show whilst still uh, maintaining a modicum of honesty. In other words, you know, if you're going to quote a relative statistic and you say it is, well, that's fair enough, but it's still misleading because you're quoting the wrong bit. <laughs> so it, it becomes this mire, doesn't it, of, of, 
of words and 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 figures and but for most people they they will just see you know they, they'll see this poster which says the vaccine protects you and those around you they'll, they'll have heard the you know the horror stories originally we saw coming out of china which were just completely made up falsities you know people dropping dead on the street which is ridiculous but we but you know we we lap that up sadly and and so it formed this kind of yeah it, it formed this this great thing which um was i think in many ways overwhelming um i mean we, we've just done bonkers things i mean we had that there was a, a barbie doll figure done of professor sarah gilbert who, who was one of the co-creators of the astrazeneca drug and you know that's a bit unfortunate really i mean in terms of that's drugs not got a great track record now <laughs> sadly it's not good um so we just we just seem to have kind of unleashed this mild un- insanity on ourselves i think um essentially we were lied to and um we've got to realize that we have to take note when we are lied to because it does matter doesn't it it does it really does matter um but the truth does seem to be um coming out now doesn't it um i mean we know that um the jab doesn't stop you catching covid it doesn't stop you transmitting covid it doesn't necessarily stop you ending up in hospital or even dying from covid um looking at all cause uh, mortality data that appears to be very clear doesn't it yes it does um all cause mortality is key and um it's been talked about by well we've mentioned professor norman fenton before and um he says and and others have said that um the reason it's key is it gets around the issue of what is and isn't a covid death so um when you're looking at the overall numbers of deaths compared to what you would expect normally so if there was an apparently deadly pandemic then an effective vaccine should clearly be shown to reduce the all-cause mortality that's what you should see yes and we haven't and seen yet that. that's not what we've seen no. in fact the questions are being asked why is all-cause mortality higher than we would expect normally exactly alarm, alarm bells are ringing they're just not ringing in the mainstream at the moment but um yeah, but let's let's keep going because we're, we're we're still we're still in the introduction here, really, aren't we? I mean, it's it's interesting because the um, the definition um, I'm sure some of you have heard this already for vaccine has been altered in uh, interestingly in the the, the Merriam-Webster dictionary. So it used to say, okay, it used to say that um, definition of vaccine was uh, a preparation of killed microorganisms living attenuated organisms or living fully virulent organisms that is administered to produce or artificially increase immunity to a particular disease and that's what historically um, we would understand a vaccine to be it now says for that same section it's been changed and it says this a preparation of genetic material such as a strand of synthesized messenger RNA that is used by the cells of the body to produce an antigenic substance such as a fragment of a virus spike protein. So the definition really of vaccine has been altered to fit the narrative and uh, this just goes to show the lengths that uh, people go to in this. Uh, Interestingly, 
because when you when you Google this, you you come up with all the the fact tre- checkers trying to say you know pipe down, pipe down. And uh, one of the one of the so-called fact checkers, Pollock to Fact, had the following to say on, on this one, and it's worth reading out because it's it's quite funny. Um, it says the definition has been revised to reflect both more scientifically accurate language and the fact that we have more space in the online dictionary. Said Peter Sokowski, editor at large at MerriamWebster.com goes on to say, we are now able to provide much more context and detail than previously possible in print dictionaries. The wording has originally been drafted in order to accommodate the space restrictions of our print editions where definitions necessarily had to be as brief as possible. Well, the reality is the definitions in terms of word count are broadly the same. I was just going to say, I think the um, looking at <laughs> so, it, the first one was two and a half lines and the second one was two and a half lines, give or take the uh, odd. Yeah. character possibly <laughs> yes and, and, and one of one of them um you know defines a vaccine in a historic sense and the other one then starts bringing uh genetic uh, uh material and um yeah new technology but largely based uh on that rather than building your body's immunity to something anyway but that's worth that's worth um pointing out so I think um, we're kind of we're coming to the the sort of we're coming into the the main bit now. But um, Jordan Peterson is interesting on this, isn't he? Because he said, "What do you say?" Four years ago, he was quite. A... Yeah, I've seen the video of when he was talking about how things um, how things can happen, how authoritarianism um, can creep along, and you don't really notice. And he talks about how people can be pushed to the point of resistance to the point that they protest and then and then you stop and then they get used to being at that position they they come to accept it and then you push again you push them again until the point that there's resistance and then and then you stop and then you wait and that that's what happened in Nazi Germany yeah and 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 this is what we've we've seen over the last two and a half years as well. And and I I think we're in a period of of waiting at the moment. We're in a, we're in a pausing uh, element of of that process. But the pushing will start again. I mean, we it can already we again, can already sure. see where we look back, and we've just illustrated how far we've come by by the things we have talked about. And and as Christians, this is this is important. This is important because we have to be on the lookout for the enemy's schemes. Um, we need to be able to discern as best as we are able um, a lie or, or often what is actually half truths, which are the original uh, the original form of deception. If you go right back to the book yeah. of Genesis, um, you'll see what um, the serpent said to uh, Eve was, was a half truth. And it literally is the oldest trick in the book. And um, that's what we have to watch for. And we have to be alert for that, not to be obsessed by them or consumed by them, but to be alerted to what's happening so that we can watch and pay attention. So shall we get onto the kind of, so that was by way of kind of a, a scene setting uh, trip down um, COVID memory lane, which I'm sure everybody loves to go down every now and again. Um, yeah. Anyway. Well, just one, one more oh, yeah, thing go to for add, it. Mm. add to that is that as Christians, we believe that we're made in God's image. So, human beings are are hugely valuable um hugely valuable to god we are god's creation and made in his image so anything that tries to dehumanize that tries to demonize a group of people 
and make them appear to be something other than human or that they could be treated in in some other way we have to question that 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 is clearly wrong and that is what has happened in our country yes it has it has and that is and, and not enough out. people have been pushing back against that and and we and we have to actively push back in order not to be swept along with it um, yeah. i'm afraid there's there is no such thing as standing still uh, standing still you get you get moved along you have to actively go against something in order to maintain ground or even or even try and gain ground um but yeah no, that's a good point helen so we we get to the get to the main the main kind of one of the key kind of points of of this uh podcast and it's all all around um our um uh big favorite pharmaceutical uh sarcastically um pfizer so Interestingly, today, apparently, the European Union health chiefs have approved COVID vaccines for, guess who? Babies. Yeah, and, I couldn't believe uh, that. It, it's likely to be a, a controversial move. Well, <laughs> no way, Sherlock, who would have thought that? And uh, the, the, anyway, the, blo- the EU blocks drug watchdog gave the green light for children older than six months to either have the Pfizer or Moderna jab and it comes amid growing fears of another covid wave whatever that is uh, this winter so but the question has to be why uh, well yes when they're not at risk i mean at least with flu little children can be at, at risk from flu but the astonishing thing with covid is that they're not hmm. yes so why why would you give an experimental drug to babies and young children when they're not at risk that that that's that's a good that's a good question um and and um, you know maybe maybe our prayer should be that actually parents of young young children would would wake up to just even even the fact of this isn't clear and this is suspicious therefore i'm not going not going to do this um but yeah it's 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 not good. So we're gonna we're gonna bring this back to Pfizer, as you said, and uh, you won't probably have seen this in in the mainstream news, um, but uh, it has been quite a big thing. Last so last week, Pfizer's chief executive in charge of developing markets, somebody called Janine Small, was testifying in front of the European Parliament's Special Committee on COVID nineteen, and she had a question from Dutch MEP Rob Roos. Um, and yeah, he's a Dutch politician and he's a current member of the European Parliament. And Rob asked this question. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? Very straightforward question. Janine Small then replied regarding the question around um, did we know about stopping the immunisation before it entered the market? No, I think she meant um transmission rather than immunization but that's what she said she admitted no it wasn't and then she further defended that decision by arguing Pfizer had to move at the speed of science what what is the speed of science mm. Helen do you know because well, you have I a scientific was, background is it is it yeah. fast slow I mean does it is it is it a yeah, blur sure. how does it I, work well when I heard her speaking I must admit I had to rewind several times just to be sure of what she said um I don't know what she's talking about. The speed of science. I had no idea that science had a particular speed. 
I think it's. I think in Pfizer's case, it's extremely quick and extremely very lucrative. Quick. Yes, I think it. The faster well it goes, yeah, the more the money it, it makes. Um, yeah. But she. Um, it was. It, what. What. What I. I didn't say, and is in the original one, is is that um, this Dutch MEP he he pressed for a very clear yes or no answer when he was asking he this question, and we will we'll link yeah. to the video so you can watch watch it yourself. Yeah, and, watch it for yourself. And he you can even, see the whole thing even, actually. The whole whole series of questions from a whole range of MEPs and some of them are not yeah. not happy let's put it that way no and he he even he, he made the point that he was going to say the question in English because she is an English speaker she's Welsh um just to be absolutely clear and to ask for a yes or no answer and she gave her answer was no so you have the um and really it should have been the um Pfizer um CEO Albert Bourla, who was answering these questions, he's clearly handed this out to somebody perhaps he sees as um, expendable. I don't know, but um, this this lady Janine, she um, she gave a, a clear answer, which, well, I mean, it it it, it's, it is astounding that they they admit um, that they had no clue on whether it stops well, transmission. Yeah, well, if you have a think about what that means, it means that. When all the governments were saying these things um, about, you know, that you would protect other people by getting the vaccine um, because it was all about transmission, um, they they knew they were lying. They knew they knew there was no evidence because Pfizer had not tested for that. So. Hmm. Yeah. They were lying, and Pfizer knew they were lying. So Pfizer could have said, "Oh, hold on a minute! No, 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 no! We didn't test for that. You can't say that. You can't say that it's going to stop people catching it. We haven't tested for that." Yeah, I, I think I think this unearths the, the 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 real motives behind behind the vaccine is that it's it's a very much a a political thing rather than a a health thing, um, and it's uh, it unfortunately shows how governments lie to the people they are there to serve in a way that has uh, terrible consequences as we have seen as we have seen and, and sadly i think as we will we'll see more, much more clearly as, as as months go go by um because originally it was it was you know remember that i remember different people like angela angela merkel and and others saying no one is safe until everyone is safe. And quite a few leaders in in, in world leaders trotted that pernicious lie out. Mm. And it and it is it's just an awful thing. It's a lie, it's manipulation. Um and and unfortunately, you know, a lot of people just took it at face value. And I think we ca- we can't allow this to continue. We can't allow ourselves to be to be uh, manipulated and hoodwinked in this way because it's, it's it leads to a dark place. Um, and yeah, I mean, what to say? I mean, every, everybody claimed, didn't they? You need to you need to get everybody vaccinated to to slow the spread. That was a lie, wasn't it? It was a lie. Duty, I'd get vaccinated to uh, protect others. Well, that's a lie. Yeah. Covid passports, remember all those? Had to get you know, Covid uh, pass to to travel somewhere. In certain certain instances, you needed to either have a negative test or a Covid vaccine pass to get into certain events. 
Well, I remember that. That that was reality. That wasn't a dream. That wasn't a, a strange conspiracy theory. That that was that was reality. And the truth is, it was nonsense. Yeah. It was just nonsense built on a lie. And that's a terrible thing. Um. Yeah. I mean, do you just talk us through a bit more about the this Pfizer leaflet thing, Helen, because that's quite interesting. Yeah, well, just thinking about what you've just said, the things I was reminded of, um, the phrase loving your neighbour was used quite a lot, wasn't it? Yes, it it was. You know, that's love your neighbour. I mean, it wasn't, well, I I think the Prime Minister at the time used it. Um, Many church leaders did the same. So, you know, implying if you want to follow what Jesus would have done, to love your neighbour, then you need to get the vaccine. Saving granny, doing it for the greater good. Hmm. It was all, it was nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, it, it, it is, it is really, yeah, it's bad. And and the people, and sadly, the, the people I know who have been going down with COVID, I'm not, I'm not sure how they know they're going down with COVID. Presumably they've hoarded some testing kits. I, I, I don't know, but I'm guessing they have. Are people who've been vaccinated or keep getting vaccinated? Yeah, I don't know of anybody who's not been vaccinated and keeps getting COVID. No, I, I, I don't know about you. I know quite a lot of people who are not vaccinated, and none of them. Well, if they have had it a second time, then they, they don't know they've had it because yeah. n- none, none have. So you, you think that you think the penny would drop, wouldn't you, if you've had this? you've had this jab that's supposed to stop you getting something and it doesn't stop you getting it. Um, I mean, I don't hear people saying now, well, I'm really glad I had the jab because I wouldn't have had it as bad. People stop saying that, which is good because, again, that's just built on nonsense. Mm. So, yeah, um, it's, it is, um, I think the, the truth is, is, is really starting to, to, to come out, isn't it, on this one? Um, any, anything on the whole pregnancy thing on that one? Because there was, there was well, yeah, loads the, of stuff the, on that, wasn't there? That, there was. I was looking at the leaflet that's been given to people receiving the Pfizer vaccine at the moment, and that's available on the um, MR, MHRA website, I think I found okay. it. Um, and it's, it was last updated in September, so last month. So the explanation of what what it is, it says the vaccine causes the immune system, the body's natural defences, to produce antibodies and blood cells that work against the virus, so giving protection against COVID-19. That's it. That's all it says. So there's no mention of a novel, it being a novel gene-based technology instructing the body to produce spike protein, which is the toxic part of the virus. There's no mention of that at all. Um, on the pregnancy and breastfeeding, it says in the leaflet, no data are available yet regarding the use of, it's called, the, the name of the vaccine is called Cominator, I'm not quite sure how you say it, during pregnancy. However, a large amount of information from pregnant women vaccinated with the initially approved Cominati vaccine during the second and third trimester have not shown negative effects on the pregnancy or the newborn baby. No data are available yet regarding the use of this version during breastfeeding. However, no effects on the breastfed newborn infants are anticipated. Well, that, that, I, I, lo- I, I, love, I love the fact that, well, I don't love it. it, it again, sorry, sarcasm there. It, 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 using anticipated, that's not a word you want to see. 
No, so it's in something like this, you saying, want you want definitive language, not hope, could, should, hope, maybe, hope, won't be. anticipate. Yeah. That's not good enough. What what, yeah. what does your data show? Well, it doesn't show anything. Why? Because well, that's impossible because we, we we've we've rushed this out at breakneck speed, and we we don't have any long term data because we're we're, we're we're bound by the single time. Yeah, and and it's interesting they talk about the second and third trimester. Well, the most vulnerable phase for miscarriage is the first trimester. Exactly. And they don't, yes. and they don't say anything about that. No. And what about those who are vaccinated before falling pregnant? We don't know about that. Um, and we've no idea about any longer term effects because not there's not been enough time yet. Um, and Professor Norman Fenton, again, who we mentioned before, has explained why these claims around safety are extremely misleading and that there are significant concerns emerging from the data. Mm. Yeah, but none are. of that is mentioned in, in the leaflet. I had a quick look last night at the current MIHA yellow card data for the Pfizer vaccine for um, adverse reactions, which has been updated to the end of September this year. And it lists over 500 spontaneous abortions and over 20,000 cases of menstrual disruption and just a reminder that they say that the yellow card system will be vastly underreporting. Well, that's they, not insignificant, that's is yeah. it? Those figures. No, it 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 it's 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 not. Um, and yeah, it, it, that is that is pretty pretty terrible. And Doctor uh, John Campbell was was he pointed out that that very good um, uh, video, which got actually got taken down from YouTube. Um, where he, he pointed that very thing out about the yellow card scheme actually only being indicative of a much greater number. And historically, that's what the MH the MHRA say. Um, you know, you go back a few years ago and they make that very clear that, that this data is is indicative and therefore points to a much greater number of whatever that data is is actually showing. Um, so yeah, and we've got the whole things of the side effects as well, haven't we? That, that are kind of gone up there, which we've talked about before. Mm. Um, but yeah, coming back to back to Pfizer, um, I couldn't believe this when I saw it. It's one of these things when you hear about it, you think, is that a joke? And then you look at it and you think, this isn't a joke. And then you think, this is just so crazy. I can't believe it's real. And we'll link to this so you can you can have you you can view this for your own. Uh, viewing pleasure and if you enjoy comics you probably will uh, loathe this but it's Marvel comics so you know you can, you can take your chances I guess so basically Pfizer teamed up with Marvel to produce a comic to promote their mRNA drug they didn't call it a drug we call it a drug what do they call we it? call it a drug that's a better that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a more accurate term for it, <laughs> it um, and uh, Laura Dodsworth who I'm sure many of you have heard of she wrote an excellent uh, uh, book um state of fear very very worth well worth a read she commented on this this um marvel comic she said uh, dress it up how you want but band-aids on old men's arms aren't exactly superhero-ish it's a long way from muscular thor and his hammer and every adverse vaccine event stands up to puncture the allure of the superhero like a needle through a cape and then Lord Dodsworth goes on to say, generally we connect television propaganda with authoritarian and communist countries. However, using television for social engineering is not the sole preserve of those regimes. It is increasingly obvious that even in democratic countries there can be an unofficial relationship between government and entertainment media. You might think that the ends justify the means, especially in the case of a pandemic or any public health messaging. 
but the distinction between public health goals and political goals are not so clear. That is um, spot on as ever from Laura Dodsworth, and we'll we'll link to we'll link to this um, comic. It's 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 just it's just it gives such a depressing view of humanity. Have you looked at it, Helen? I have seen. I've just seen the picture that's in Laura's article. Okay, it's 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 depressing, um, but mm. it is a comic. So if you like comics, you might you might like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're just we're just in this kind of we're in this almost like yeah, it's just a it feels like a sort of altered reality. I mean, I was I was I was chatting with uh, heard somebody say actually um, not so long ago that you know they're talking about trying to get people back into church on a Sunday morning and um, which which I know has been a, a challenge for many churches since uh, since March 2020 and uh, I, I don't think he was joking but he said um, he said well what we'll, ju- we'll just we should just offer the jab on the door you know come and get your COVID jab and that'll get people back in church so you know I'll be there every week rolling my arm up and I was kind of thinking I, th- I think he's being serious but <laughs> I thought, man, you know, this is this is where this is where it's at in terms of a lot of people believing what they've been told, and it it it, it will end up in a very dark place if we don't wake up from this stupor. Yeah. I think. Um, so yeah, I mean, shall we shall we shall we move on to our our good friends over at the European Union? Yeah, go on then. <laughs> so they this is um again we'll we'll link to this so you, you can see what we are talking about um but um the european union of course uh, purchased um a lot of these um covid covid vaccines and um there is a eu purchasing order which you can find on the eu's own website uh for pfizer for their initial order from pfizer and and of course the the document when you look at it is heavily redacted uh, it's in english the bits that aren't aren't obviously redacted, so you can you can read those. Um, but um, the interesting thing is there is an unredacted version available, which is very enlightening. Um, and in one of the sections, which is redacted, in the unredacted version, it says this: the participating member state acknowledges that the vaccine and materials related to the vaccine, and this is a Pfizer vaccine, by the way, and their components and constituent materials are being rapidly developed due to the emergency circumstances of the COVID-19 pandemic and will continue to be studied after provision of the vaccine to the participating member states under the um, APA. The participating member state further acknowledges that the long-term safety, long-term effects and efficacy of the vaccine are not currently known. And there may be adverse effects of the vaccine that are not currently known. Further, to the extent applicable, the participating member state acknowledges that the vaccine shall not be serialised. Now, normally vaccines, in my understanding, are serialised so they can be traced. The fact that they're acknowledging here that it, it... can't be serialized therefore is difficult to trace is a shocker i'm not quite sure i don't know um whether that turned out to be the case or not i can't comment on that but this this whole section was was redacted out so thankfully we do have the unredacted version um but um yeah they're they're acknowledging that they have no clue as to the long-term effects and that was intentionally hidden from peoples of all different countries participating in the European Union. 
that, it's, that's it's astounding. Totally shocking, isn't it? And when you think that I remember seeing one of the MEPs who was enraged standing up and waving it, showing the redacted um, sheet, and it was virtually black. You could see virtually no writing because they'd redacted so much. And he was absolutely outraged. Um, and like you say, we can see now what they were trying to hide. Although, from if you have a think about, you know, if you were Pfizer, I mean, you can't, you can, you can't say they weren't um, being truthful. They were completely honest. We we basically have no idea whether this is going to be effective. Um, we have no idea if there may be long term effects. We have no idea there could be adverse effects, and we have no idea. And they said all of that, and then were given indemnity. And then given yes. massive orders. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, it, and and there and therefore, surely that you have you have to start asking the question: Well, this this isn't this isn't a, a decision motivated by health concerns. This is a decision motivated by something far darker. And if you still believe it's motivated by health concerns, I I I wouldn't know what else to say really to well, you. The only <laughs> but... person the only person who could who could look at that and say, Oh yes, that's going to be good for our people is someone who believes in magic. Uh, because yes. that's the only way that something <laughs> like that is gonna have a positive health impact is if there's some kind of magic in there. I think so. I think so. And and again it comes back to we have no idea as to the long term effects of these drugs. And they are they are drugs. Um, they're they're not vaccines in the um, our understanding of vaccines up until this point. They're simply not that. They're called vaccines to dupe people into taking them, mm. but they're drugs and they're experimental drugs with no um, no long term safety data. And I you know I know people who are on their fourth jab, fifth jab. What do you say? I don't know. Um, so let's move on. Um, BBC is yet again stoking the fear. Uh, recently on their website, yesterday I think it was, uh, they had the title Respiratory Illness May Take Up Half of NHS Beds This Winter. And they had a, um, and just points this out so you can be aware of what to look for. And they had a photo of a masked, young, fit and well looking woman in bed. There's a lot of subtle messaging going on there and the article goes on to say winter comes hot on the heels of extremely busy summer and with the combined impact of flu covid and record nhs staff vacancies and and certainly i know that the staff vacancies have been a real issue and they weren't helped by threatening to mandate uh, a jab that was neither safe nor effective and uh, but that irony and hypocrisy is obviously lost on on the bbc um but yeah it's it's Respiratory illness has always caused pressure for the NHS during this time of year. It's always been a thing because that tends to be when respiratory illness strikes in the colder winter months. And yeah, it's, it's a, a thing that nobody wants. Year, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And, and we want to do what we can to protect ourselves, but that's very different to having fear alarmism as 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 the BBC. So I think our encouragement here to you is to, to you if you're listening to this is to um just be just be kind of alert to to kind of the messaging that you see in newspapers and articles. Know that the intention is not to inform you, the intention is to manipulate you. Mm-hmm. And as as long as you understand that, you can then discern what truth, if there is any truth in them, can be gleaned from it. But if you don't do that, 
I can guarantee it, you will be manipulated because that yeah. is the purpose. Um, yeah. Well, and also, if there's anyone listening who who is still fearful, don't don't be fearful. No, you don't need no, to fear. Don't be fearful. Um, you should have seen by now that that COVID. I mean, look around you. Most people who've had it are fine. There's not. There's, there really is not anything to fear over. You know what we normally expect in a in a flu season. And yeah, and and trusting in God is the way to um, approach life anyway. And especially when regards to fear, we have to battle fear. It is a battle. We have to actively battle against that. And a way to do that is to put our trust in God. The Bible is explicit about that. If we put our trust in man or what man does, then we're setting ourselves up for a fall. Um, I think that we've also seen over these last uh, few um well, last few years, it is a few years now, isn't it? We're coming not quite three years yet, but a good two and a half years. We've seen a there's been a strategy of normalization around heart attacks, blood clots, this thing called myocarditis, which I have to be honest, wasn't a word in my lexicon until uh, until uh, COVID struck. Uh, strokes. And these things we've always had, but I'm saddened personally by the by the people I know personally, who have been affected uh, by these things and in numbers which is not normal. It's just not normal. It, it would be, it would be um, quite significant news to hear of somebody having a heart attack. Well, it's not anymore. And we've seen how many athletes and, and celebrities and people who are, are relatively famous suddenly dying for no reason whatsoever again you you didn't see that so much before before well i don't know 2021 it's noticeable i think it's definitely yeah. noticeable um but anyway that's just something to point out so we've had the we've had all the um this is the whole thing about the truth coming out from from Pfizer and and it's really good to drive for truth isn't it Helen I think we want we want to do that and we want to um, we want to acknowledge the truth of the situation and um, I think it would just be I'd just be really good to I guess yeah touch on Dr. Asim Malhotra because he has done quite a significant and comprehensive about turn hasn't he helen he, he has yeah <laughs> quite astonishing um, it is astonishing actually. it is astonishing in case you don't know who he is he's a consultant cardiologist he's uh, been prominent on uh, national tv uh, he would be somebody who'd be called on to promote the covid19 vaccine and if you are the type of person who's impressed by credentials, he's a NHS-trained consultant cardiologist. He's visiting professor for evidence-based medicine, Bahania School of Medicine and Public Health, Salvador, Brazil. Um, he's a world-renowned expert in the prevention, diagnosis and management of heart disease. And in 2016, he was named in the Sunday Times Debrett's list as one of the most influential people in science and medicine in the UK. In November 2020, Asim said this on Twitter. 
Vaccines are the safest of all drugs, far safer than any other drug people are taking on a regular basis, including most people over 50 taking at least one prescription. The vaccine safety concerns are totally disproportionate to the reality, and he is talking about the COVID-19 vaccines. Do you want to read out what he says in October 2022, again on Twitter? Yep, so this is two years on. He says this, It's time everyone woke up to the greatest miscarriage of medical science we will witness in our lifetime. Thank you to that Australian nurse for telling it just how it is. And this is what the Australian nurse uh, said. If we still need a booster dose after we are fully vaccinated, and if we still need to get a negative test after we are fully vaccinated, and we still need to wear a mask after we are fully vaccinated, and still be hospitalised after we have been fully vaccinated, it will likely come to the point where it's time for us to admit that we've been completely deceived. Yeah. And that, that, is, that is quite a, a set of statements for him to, him to make. And uh, it, he, he, go, he, goes, he goes on to say, um, this is very recent as well, he goes on to say, until proven otherwise, it is likely... COVID mRNA vaccines played a significant role in all unexplained heart attacks since 2021. That's an astonishing statement. And it's all out in the public domain. The, the, the truth about this is, is just kind of boiling over and coming out. It's unstoppable. It's like trying to... Um, it's, it's like trying to plug a sinking ship that's been holed in many different places you just can't do it um well and someone like him they can't say oh he's a conspiracy theorist or he's an anti-vaxxer they can't say that no so he was I, as I pro-vaxx as you could, you could get he was like he was like blue chip pro-vaxxer yeah well we'll see what happens because tomorrow uh he is um, at an all-party parliamentary group meeting, which is calling for the British government, it, it, it says the statement being made, the British government must announce an immediate halt to the UK's COVID-19 vaccine programme and launch a public inquiry to fully assess the risks and benefits associated with new mRNA vaccine technology. Mm. And... Um, Dr. Asim, he says, the evidence is unequivocal, it's overwhelming, and shouldn't even need debating that the harm signal from the mRNA product is so substantial and strong that it needs immediate suspension pending an inquiry. It's time to turn up the heat. He says, I've been informed that the response from MPs wanting to attend my presentation means we are now moving to the largest committee room in Parliament. It's time to put patience before profits. It's time to put truth before money. It's time to put the human before the psychopath. <laughs> That's very strong language. It's very strong language. And I had a little look up because I thought, oh, people will hear him say psychopath. They'll be, oh, don't be ridiculous. But actually, if you look in the dictionary, it says morally irresponsible, showing no remorse or empathy for those who are victimized. Hmm. Yeah. I think actually it's the correct use of the term. Yeah, yeah, he's it, it, it is it is quite quite something. 
um, it it is really, yeah, quite an amazing thing. Um, should we go on to just say the other bit he says? Because that's quite the thing about. Um, is that worth saying about his what was what he's, the published papers in the Journal of Insulin Resistance? Yeah, I think it, I think it is. He's published these two papers, um, and I watched the press conference that he gave with the World Council for Health um, a few weeks ago when these papers were published. It was two hours long, but it was definitely worth watching. And he he went through these papers in quite some detail. And he's been working for for months on this. It's probably probably should say the the thing that made him look look into this is that his father who was very very fit and healthy and dr asim malholtra is a is a consultant cardiologist he he knows all about the health of the heart and he had um he knew the health of his dad and he knew he was very very fit very healthy um and he died of a very sudden heart attack mm. and he knew that something didn't add up and so you know he um, obviously there was an autopsy or whatever and and the the they showed this damage to his heart um that made him start to question could it have been caused by the vaccine um and so that's when he started looking into the data looking into what people had been saying that he'd he'd been ignoring and he admits that he'd been ignoring um wow yeah it, it... He's, that is that is that is very insightful to hear how he kind of he came to that that viewpoint because um, yeah often that's the case and when we're faced with something that's impacted somebody who we love who's close to us it can cause to say hold on a sec this this really isn't there's something wrong here and that's what that's what he's done and he's now unleashed this 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 tsunami basically from this guy and he's joined he's joined ranks with many other medical professionals yeah, yeah. doctors and I think, you know scientists who know yeah. what they're talking about who yeah. don't buy the narrative of lies that we've been fed yeah so he spent these last months looking at all of these published papers the things that these um eminent doctors medics scientists have been saying um and he's kind of drawn all of this evidence together in these very impressive papers. We can put links to them um, if people want to look at them. So when he, uh, one of the things he, he says, looking at the wider issue really as well, he says authorities and sections of the, of the medical profession have supported unethical, coercive and misinformed policies such as vaccine mandates and vaccine passports undermining the principles of ethical, evidence-based medical practice and informed consent. These regrettable actions are a symptom of the medical information mess, the tip of a mortality iceberg, where prescribed medications are estimated to be the third most common cause of death globally after heart disease and cancer. Wow. And the... And... You know, you and I were not surprised to to hear him say that because other people have said similar similar things, um, and it's it's just something that has been waiting in the wings to come out. But to have somebody like him, who's literally done an about turn, is I mean, it's very courageous to do what he's done. It, it takes a lot of guts to say, 
I'm going to change my view on this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I heard one of the um, one of the doctors in America that he was working with saying, basically saying to him, you're so courageous. What you're doing is 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 very brave. And he kind of was saying to him, welcome to the club. And now you're going to experience what we've experienced for the last two years, because you're going to get a lot of pushback and you're going to get, you know, uh, treated like, like, you know, they would say that they've been treated for two years and experience what it's like. Yeah. Uh, but I think the more people who come out, the more chance we have of, of people waking up. Is it is it worth just talking about the, the drivers? And I know, I know we want to keep moving here, but he, the, these are quite interesting. Do you, do you think it's worth touching on these briefly? Yeah, shall I shall I read them out? Yeah, go on then, go on then. So, yeah. Dr. Asim, he says there are four key drivers and seven, he calls sins, that are at the root of the medical misinformation mess. And he says the drivers are the first one, that much of published medical research is not reliable or of uncertain reliability, offers no benefit to patients or is not useful for decision makers. The second driver, that most healthcare professionals are not aware of this problem. The third driver, even if they are aware of this problem, most health healthcare professionals lack the skills necessary to evaluate the reliability and usefulness of medical evidence. And then the fourth driver, patients and families frequently lack relevant, accurate medical evidence and skilled guidance at the time of medical decision making. Hmm. And then he goes on to say these seven sins, as he calls them, the things that are causing the problem. Um, number one is biased funding of research. That's research that's funded because it's likely to be profitable rather than necessarily beneficial for patients. The second one is biased reporting in medical journals. The third is biased reporting in the media. The fourth is biased patient pamphlets, the leaflets that you pick up in the doctor's surgeries. Um, the fifth is commercial conflicts of interest. The sixth is defensive medicine. And the sev seventh is an inability of doctors to understand and communicate health statistics. So he says, if a doctor is making clinical decisions based on biased information, it will lead at best to suboptimal outcomes and more concerningly harm to the patient that all makes that all makes perfect sense because and we can see the truth in that because we have seen for ourselves those biases with our own eyes and we've of course covered some of those at the start of this podcast it's 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 the evidence the truth is all laid out on the table you just need to look yeah it's um it is it is quite um quite astounding um in terms of uh, moving on here helen because we got we got so much stuff here we could talk about haven't we um do we do we want to do we want to just um dip into uh, dr john campbell do you think yeah always worth worth doing that um so he's a he's a should yeah. we just I'll say who he is and then you can you can explain what he he has to say because you you know more about that particular thing than me. Um, he um he is a uh, nurse tra he trains uh, nurses and he has been a prominent YouTuber since the start of the pandemic. Well, I mean he was YouTubing before the pandemic, but he came to prominence in the pandemic because he he did almost daily um 
like blogs looking at statistics and data trying to make sense of it all and um, for a long time he was um, very much with the mainstream narrative which is um, you know this is this is a, a really terrible thing and and you know COVID is a can be a nasty thing to have no doubt about that but he he, he was you know buying into the whole wider narrative of you know we've got to battle this with vaccines and face masks and distancing and all this kind of thing and then recently he's started to really question the narrative to the point where he actually got a youtube video taken down which for you know he he, he would be like the last person you would expect to have a youtube video taken down but he managed to achieve that accolade which is which is very impressive and he's been he's been on a bit of a roll and when you watch his videos it's a bit like um you know what he's really saying without him actually saying it because he doesn't want to say what he's really saying in words in that particular order because he knows that youtube will probably give him a strike but he's still able to communicate the truth in such a way as to <laughs> circumnavigate yeah. the um the 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 misinformation in quotes uh bots in google um who own youtube by the way um so yeah do you want to just tell us what he's saying because he's, he's he's been on a roll as dr john yeah he has quite a number of uh, interesting videos recently um one of them he was looking at the official figures for excess deaths which we mentioned earlier which are appearing in countries around the world so it's not just here that the numbers of excess deaths um, appear to be significantly higher than you would normally expect but note that these are in in western highly vaccinated countries so many of these countries like um, Australia, Canada, New Zealand um, we're seeing a, around 15% or more excess deaths above what would normally be expected. So his question, he says, we need some sort of official inquiry into this. Why are, in, in this case, 168 to 17.1% more people dying than we would expect? Mm -hmm. That's in this country. What are the causes of this? Government should answer as a matter of urgency academics why are we not hearing more on this is a mystery to me i have done my bit to try and ask this question as much as i can let's hope for some answers pretty soon as a lot of people are dying yes he um you know you link what he's saying with what um uh, dr asima halter is saying and others and you can start to uh, see very clearly that there are very serious questions that need answering um, and I think what we'll see is um, a continual attempt to veil the truth and to manipulate and to lie uh, or to distract I mean that's another tactic I'm afraid that's used is to say oh look at this big issue over here and get people's attention away from this which I think is probably the likely thing that they the governments of our uh, world will will try, uh, but as ever, only only time will uh, tell on on that one. Um, I think as well, it's just struck me about what we kind of, um, I guess, what we could call call this uh, podcast, and um, I've kind of borrowed this from some somebody else's 
very very good um very good po- podcaster uh, Steve, Stephen Buckley isn't it um over at the the King Church is that that's right I've got his name right haven't I Helen yeah that's right yeah he's very much worth listening we'll link to his podcast because they're they're really good but he I've I heard him coin this phrase whether he came up with it I don't know but he talks about you know this ultimately is about the big farmer gospel and as I think as Christians we've just got to step away from it we've just got to stop buying into the big farmer gospel I've learned a lot over these last uh, two and a half years. Um, I've been challenged by things. And one of the things I've been challenged about, and I'm still working through this, if I'm honest, but is is the fact that all the available COVID-19 vaccines in the United Kingdom were, were made using um, cell lines from that originated with an aborted uh baby girl and uh, the cell line is HEK293 um human embryo kidney 293 and this was this was a healthy baby girl ripped from her mother's womb to further medical science and this barbaric evil practice still happens today now that's that's in essence what the big farmer gospel is. One baby girl dies so that we might live. That's not right. And I think that is a real challenge to us as Christians to work out how we deal with that going forwards. Um, I know Dave Brennan from Brefos has a lot to say on this. And again, we'll link to him on this one. But... Um, Again, this, this 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 fact, this truth is 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 manipulated because it will be saying, well, you know, were, were does the vaccine contain uh, aborted fetal cells? No, it doesn't. Was it made from aborted fetal cells? No, it doesn't. Well, that that's not the question. The question is, was an aborted um, baby girl used so that uh, medical science could be furthered? And the answer to that is yes, sadly. Um, and it raises lots of serious questions. And like I say, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm working through it myself. I'm trying. I, I've been very challenged by this, but this should sit uncomfortably with us as Christians. I think. Do you know what I mean, Helen? Yeah. Yes, I do. I definitely. Um, it should sit uncomfortably with us, and um, we should be talking about it. Um, you know, we've said before that. We felt it's important the church should be talking about about these things, and um, too often are not. And however uncomfortable it is, we need we need to think about it carefully. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. And 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 this isn't this isn't about pointing a finger and saying, "Oh, look what this person has done over here," or it's it's, it's just recognizing the truth in something and when once we hear the truth we can't just sit back as if it doesn't matter no that's not i'm afraid that's just not an option when somebody hears about the lord jesus christ dying on a cross so the sin and the punishment they deserve is taken upon himself and the fact that god looks on 
on Christ's sacrifice and is satisfied that sin has been paid for and he raises Christ from the dead because Christ's death was all sufficient. When somebody hears that, they can't just say, oh, it doesn't matter. They have to make a choice. And that choice is, am I going to believe that or am I going to ignore it? But you can't just let it lie. And this is why truth matters. This is why it, it has to impact us and we have to seek it out and encourage one another in this. So, yeah, this isn't about pointing a finger and this isn't about trying to make people feel bad. It's about raising serious issues which require us to consider what our response should be and especially as we're going forwards because we don't know we don't know what the future will hold we don't know what we're going to be faced with uh, down the line and um, we need to be sure that whatever we are faced with we will be able to discern truth and this is where thankfully we have the word of God and we had God God's Holy Spirit indwelling us so we have what we need to do that but we do need to remind ourselves that we have a duty to to listen to listen to God on this so yeah, yeah definitely and I think when you know when we were thinking when we mentioned before about loving your neighbor well one of the things that has particularly struck me and and with this news today about the EU um, you know, saying that it's going to be okay going forward to use this vaccine on babies. Um, most of us understand that there's something very precious about children and um, that we should all want to protect children. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the part of this vaccination program that has disturbed me the most is the push to vaccinate children and the question why when they're at such such low risk um i mean i've got a figure here that apparently the risk of death from covid19 in the age bracket 12 to 15 is so close to zero it's one in 76000 which is 0.0000013% okay so it's not very much then no. And yet um, the risk of heart damage from the vaccine in those young people, and particularly, we're not really sure why, but it's particularly in young boys, mm. um, is significantly higher than that. And and they're not really sure quite how high it is, but, but there's been a very concerning number. I mean, I know several boys have been affected. And this heart damage is permanent. Yes. Once you damage your heart, it doesn't just repair itself and then you're fine. No. And and, and this this comes back to, doesn't it, like, you know, what this Dr. Asim Mahaltra is saying, you know, we've got to, we've got to stop. We've got to just, just put a pause on these um, uh, MRH, uh, MRH, mRNA drug rollout until we, until we've, you know, had time to look at the data and think, well, this is actually safe. Is it working? What's happening? But um, that doesn't see that, that there's no sign of that at the moment happening. So yeah, um, it, 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 we've we've got to we've got to wake up to this. Um, 
I think it's 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 also just by way of kind of we're coming to land now. You'll be I'm sure you'll be pleased to know. Um, well done for staying with us this long. Um, <laughs> is that it's it's okay when we we realise that perhaps we've been lied to on some things. In fact, that's a good thing because it means that we're then tuning in to where the truth might be. Um, and I think as we as we head into into winter. Be encouraged, you know, put trust in God. Don't put trust in other people. Don't trust the science, trust God. Don't trust the BBC, trust God. And you can't, it can't be both. The Bible calls that double-mindedness. We can't trust God and the science. We can't trust God and the BBC. And that's a challenge. That That is... That's sometimes, you know, difficult to do. But we have to, as as people of the book, followers of Jesus. That's what we're called to do. Yeah, it is what we're called to do. I think it's really important that we that we think more critically and with more depth. And um, I was thinking about, uh, and the Bible talks about this, that we can't stay like infants forever surviving on milk alone god wants us to grow and mature he wants us to learn and to follow him more closely and he does not want us to be double-minded no he doesn't he doesn't do you want to finish with that awesome bit of scripture from james helen yeah yep i shall read from james chapter one starting at verse two it says Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Yeah, uh, that's uh, it's really great to hear that from James. It's because it's uh, obviously God's word, um, but it's also very, very practical. And um, you will never be put to shame putting your trust in God 100% so well done for uh, sticking with us we hope you found this helpful we know it's been quite a heavy one this this one we, we acknowledge that um, please do share this podcast with people you think it will encourage and and help um, I think this is this is why we do it this is what it's all about you can um, follow us on our te- telegram channel if you would like to do that we occasionally post things that we think are helpful and informative and again encouraging and useful helen has a, a brilliant Substack, um the our tree um and so yeah the the most recent one by um william phillips that was oh, that yeah. was fantastic guest article, guest article. Yeah. that was really good Please that's do really read good. it yeah and yeah, it's really uh, good William, William Philip is the church leader of the Tron Church in Glasgow 
and um, yeah, super sound and super good. So do have a, a read of that one, and we'll we'll link in that in the, the podcast notes to try and make it easy as possible for people to find things. Um, so yeah, be be encouraged. I hope, and we will be looking at our next topics. If you do have any feedback for us or any comments, do let us know. You can find out how to get in contact with us on the, on the on the link tree. So if we're a bit like the A team, if you really want to find us, you, you you can you can try. Um, and you'll probably succeed in some shape or form. Uh, I'll stop waffling now. Helen, is that it? That's it, isn't it? That's it, yeah. Okay, nice one. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. The Owl and the Badger.